Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Okay, so this morning I am speaking with someone from Troker, who actually I've been in touch with for the last number of years, but it, uh, I'm, I'm delighted that she's decided to come on the programme, or had the time indeed to come on the programme, and uh, share with us uh, the wonderful work that Troker does this morning. So, welcome to the programme, Miss Miss. How are you? Hi, John. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you very much indeed. I tell you, the work that you guys do, it, it's really tremendous, and it's, it's lovely from time to time when you agree to come on and share with us all the work you do, um, because we can't really go out there and do it, but on our behalf, you're doing the work. And one of the things that came through there recently, maybe uh, we could just share a little bit with the listeners, if you like, is that the, um, the recognition uh, of the work um, that is done on behalf of the Limerick people. Maybe you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this year's London campaign is actually in recognition of the ordinary people from places like Limerick who are doing absolutely extraordinary things in countries overseas, countries like Kenya, where people are living in extreme poverty. So it's really to say thank you um, to fundraisers, supporters, teachers, school children, volunteers, families, clergy from all over Limerick and different parts of Ireland for the tremendous contribution that they're making to fighting for a more just world. So on our Troker box this year, there's actually pictures of real people from all over the country who have done amazing things in support of Troker, from school children, um, from Maynooth, to um, supporters from Westmeads, to different parts of the world. And we're just saying a big thank you um, to everyone, really. Um, in Limerick itself, um, last year our Lenten campaign in Limerick raised €182,000 through Limerick Diocese, which is absolutely remarkable. And that money is now being used um, in places like rural Kenya. So we're, we're just saying a big thank you to everyone um, this year. Well, well fair news to you. And, and, you know, just reading a little bit from your press release there, I mean, it said that Troker supported over 2.4 million people across Africa. Asia. Yeah, wouldn't realise that now. Yeah, it's incredible. And um, and actually, one of the women, some of the people we're working with, I was in um, Kenya just last year um, where we work, and one it was remarkable to see the the difference that support that that is received through the Troker Box has on ordinary families that are just trying to really eke out a better living for themselves. I met communities there who are really years ago would have been really struggling with extreme drought because um, the climate there is changing. So years ago, farmers would have been able to predict um, the rains and they'd be able to plant um, their crops accordingly. And these are farmers that don't have any, didn't have any irrigation systems and mm. they don't have really, you know, the most basic of materials in which to plant. Um, and, and then the rain essentially has stopped coming or else when it does come, it comes like really heavily in droves and it means that the, the land is flooded. Um, so they aren't able to, to predict this anymore. So, um, and because of that, then people aren't able to grow food. And these are people in really cut off remote parts of the world. Um, you're talking about, you know, driving out two hours from maybe the main city, Nairobi in Kenya, into the countryside and then down another back road and another back road until you're really oh. right in the heart of the countryside. And um, because of people in Ireland, we've been working with local parishes in Kenya. We're working with one parish called Ishiara Parish in particular, where we were able to install big irrigation systems all around the community. So now um, the people are having three harvests a year. So I met um, families like one man I met in Jiro and his uh, wife, Judy, 
they'd had to move off to live in the city because there was just no work on the land and mm-hmm. he was earning kind of just earning day-to-day money really in the city yeah. living like in a really horrible you know slum area mm. and then trying to send money back to support his family and because of this irrigation system he was able to move home now and he's in a situation now where he is earning enough money now to look after his whole family and he actually doesn't need support from us anymore because the irrigation system and the work that he's doing on the land is really speaking for us itself um, and that was a really nice project because the, the people themselves had called the irrigation system the sky limit irrigation scheme Lovely. because they said that with water, the sky's the limit. That all they need is water and they could do anything. And they really showed that. And they were just out in their fields and walking into the, the fields like the crops are just up past your head. You know, it's really lush Isn't and green. Beautiful. It, it actually was beautiful. It was lovely, lovely to meet those people. So I was very, very fortunate to be able to bring that information back then. To but the only way that could be done, again, is for us guys to be putting a few bags into a trucker box. Or maybe there's a, foot, you know, there's a few more ways we can we can help. And we might come on to that before we finish the interview. Yeah. Yeah. But you work on that. But you also work an awful lot in the justice area too, don't you? Yeah, we do indeed. Um, and actually our campaign this year is really titled Join the Fight for Justice. So we do a lot of work. Well, I guess it's it's um, it's important to say that one of the biggest injustices in the world is actually um, people not having enough food to eat, um, regardless of what the cause that is. Mm. Um, so if it's to do with climate change, if it's to do with drought and those farmers in Kenya not being able to grow enough food, that is a horrendous injustice. Um, and then we all we also see the struggles that people have um, when they're trying to flee from war that you know has had nothing to do with them. Yeah. So the awful refugee crisis at the moment. Um, I actually spent time um, late last year in um, the refugee centres in Eastern Europe in the Balkans, wow. and I met people who had just fled from the worst horrors in um, places like Aleppo and Syria, um, in North Iraq, in Afghanistan, um, families who had made that awfully treacherous um, boat journey between Turkey and Greece just to get to safety in mainland Europe. Mm. And, I mean, I stood at those people in these refugee centres as they were trying to make their onward journey. Like, I met one man um, who had been beaten up by the Taliban because he refused to fight for them, and he had to leave um, Afghanistan because ultimately he was going to be killed if he didn't leave the country. He'd left his wife and his child at home, um, hoping that someday they'll be able to be reunited, but absolutely no chance of staying um, in his own community. Um, I met another woman from Damascus in Syria whose husband had been taken a year previously, um, and she never saw him again. He was taken by the army. Again, she's had to leave her two children. She's only a 25-year-old woman. She had to leave her two children with her in-laws so that she can try and get to Europe and establish some sort of safe, you know, safe place mm-hmm. to live. Um, and she told me, like, that she's, you know, she'd been, you know, living, um, you know, she'd been traveling for a while and she'd been sleeping on the street, sleep, like, essentially homeless, I guess, for the time yeah. she'd been traveling, sleeping on the street, in buses, fields, and just said it's really scary for her to do that. It's not something she'd be used to, but she just can't stay at home, given what happened to her um, her husband. And every single story, every single person had the same story. Another group of people I met, I met some young kids aged between 13 and 15, and they had been told to come to Europe by their parents so they wouldn't be taken in as child soldiers, and they'd had to escape over the mountains in Iran. And one of the group, in their wider group, had been shot in the mountains and had to stay behind and these these young fellows had made it um, to Europe and were hoping to I think they were hoping to travel to Scandinavia because they'd heard that it, you know it was good for young people there. And these are real life 
issues. I mean, you know, yeah. stories. They're, 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 these people are real people. Oh, real people, and like really, uh, really nice people. Actually, I mean, um, going into a refugee centre like that, uh, you know, you can. Um, you know, wonder what shape people are in or how they're feeling. Like people were queuing to get registered. Um, so I, I was in um, Preševo, which is a refugee camp in Serbia. I was mm. also in the refugee centre in Croatia and in Slovenia. And people were just queuing really peacefully, um, willing to tell their their story to me. Really nice, really polite, really calm. Even though they had really tiring long journeys, their shoes were covered in muck. A lot of people had plastic bags in their shoes because they're just completely destroyed from no. you know. Fields yeah. walking, no showers, no change of clothes. People, you know, hadn't been able to wash or anything, mm. and they were um, they were just happy to talk and just really polite, really nice. Um, like a lot of people would have left college um, because they've had to leave. For example, some I met yeah. a group of UCD um, young men from North Iraq. They were students and they just had to leave. Some of their parents were already over here. Um, and yeah, just no choice. I mean, some of the places. I mean, I met another family, and they just told me that their their shop. They had quite a successful store, and the young young um, man, um, fourteen year old boy, had told me that the shop. He says, said we were finished. The shop was gone. Our house was completely bombed. We were absolutely finished. So everything they had built up, because I think they had actually done quite well, it was all gone. And they just had they had nothing to stay for. And he just wanted to come to Europe to get an education. He actually said, I don't need money or help or anything. I just need um, to go back to school. And, you know, you know, those are heroin stories. And I was just thinking, as you were saying that, one thing we can do, obviously, is money. But that's after the event. Is there anything we can do in terms of, you know, from a justice point of view and contacting people, speaking to politicians, whatever? Yeah, I mean, well, we're, Trochron at a practical level, really, we're working on the humanitarian side of things. And I just really, I guess, just really keeping, yeah, keeping an ear to the ground and just yeah. trying to support anyone you can and maybe having an open mind about, um, you know, maybe anyone that comes here. Um, mm. You know, just being a welcoming community is really the best thing that we can do. Um, in terms of Trochra's work, we're working with Caritas, um in um, Caritas is basically the global network of mm. relief and development organizations. So we're working uh, with Caritas in the Balkans, in Serbia, and in Greece and in Macedonia. So we're giving really practical support like food, um, tins of fish, um, you know, juice and for kids, water, hot soup. We have soup kitchens there. We're giving um, mothers. So you'd see a lot of mothers, um, women traveling on their own with, with babies because their husbands might already be over here or else they're just, the husbands have disappeared um, and they're having to change the babies on the ground because there's, no, um, there's no kind of facilities or anything. So we're giving them nappies and wet wipes and baby powder so they have this, they can, you know, wash the kids and keep them clean. But a big focus of our work is also in places like Lebanon where, like, only a small fraction of refugees have actually come to Europe. Mm. Like, there's millions in, in places like Lebanon. So we're doing a lot of work there with people who've come over the border from Syria into Lebanon and they're living in really appalling conditions. And, I mean, that's only a small country too, isn't it? It's Lebanon. It's got 1.75 um, refugees between Lebanon and Jordan, so um, they're really overwhelmed, but they've really kind of um, looked after refugees and welcomed them and, um, you know, just get on with it in terms of uh, letting them settle. They, I guess they know what's happening across the border. So, um, you know, like, it, there's, like the population has really um, grown dramatically, I guess, 
because yeah. of the refugees, but they're they're being hosted, you know, very you know, well. Fantasy people. Now, just give people some idea where our money can go. For instance, say say five euros or even thirty euros. Yeah, would that provide I mean, a school kit for it? Yeah, I mean, we do we do lots of work in in places like Somalia where we would get, you know, we would say that about um, fifteen to thirty euro would provide a school kit for children in Somalia. Um, chickens would would about five euro would supply chickens to a farmer. Um, in in Syria, for example, forty euro would provide enough food for one family for a month. Um, Forty, know, 40, and, euros. Yeah, 40 euros for one family in Syria for a month wow. food for a month um, there's a lot of communities in Syria at the moment that are actually besieged so they're kind of surrounded by either government forces or um, or opposition forces so they are you know the, the humanitarian aid there you know it's been hard to get aid in it's now mm. opening but um, that has been another issue so um, working with local Syrian organisations to try and get food to people that need it is absolutely crucial um, in that horrible situation so um, so there's a lot people can do but the main thing is I mean people in Ireland are doing it and mm. we've just got this amazing um, history of helping people who need help um, and that's why we're, we have our box out this year that's really trying to say you know thank you and um, you know, mm-hmm. you see all the amazing people on our box that are that are helping out with this work. And I was thinking, I, I was just reading that leaflet that came with the box, and, and um, it does offer us this option of going for direct debit. And I yeah. mean, even twelve euros a month, you know, I mean, that's about one hundred and fifty euros a year. Yeah, do so much work out there, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I mean, direct debits if people like to donate that way are absolutely great because. They, I, I guess, they allow us to know exactly That's right. who's going to come in and then plan our work um, really well. So, um, I mean, anything, I mean, anything anyone can give. It doesn't matter what size. Is is just. I mean, twelve twelve euros a month is about forty cents a day ish, yeah. something like that. Anyway, yeah. so yeah. I, I, I just said I throw I throw that out to people. So. You know, I mean, obviously the main way uh, that people usually do is, is to give money uh, through the trucker box. Yeah. They can also uh, phone you guys too and donate through? Yeah, 1850 408 408. Okay. So that's 1850-408-408. And then you can also go on troker.org, which is our website. Okay. And you see all about our work on our website anyway, and you can read a bit about it. And then if you don't, if you don't, because not everyone can get the box, if you know, well, everyone can get the box, but you mightn't see it, you know, if, if you're not in your local parish or maybe you don't mm. see a kid in primary school. So you can get the box online as well. And you can also, we have um, a Troker Box app as well. So you can go onto the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and mm-hmm. download an app and you can get a virtual Troker Box as well. And we also have this really um, fun part of our website this year where you can um, you can cut out and make your own troker box. So oh. you have the kind of plans there and you can just you can print it out on an A3 bit of paper and make your own. <laughs> so that's perfect. You can do it. So there's loads, loads of ways to... Loads of ways to do it. And of course, it's, you know, this isn't just for children either. I mean, this is for the whole family. You know, yeah. after listening to your stories there about some of the people who, who who you've met in more recent times, and then you're speaking about families there and parts of families, and aren't we so lucky over here to have a family? And a lot of us have work. Yeah. And yeah. you know, forty cents a day, guys, uh, twelve euros a month, more than hundred euros a year. 
something to think about. Maybe uh, the only thing that I want to do is say thank you again, you guys, because okay, we give the few bob as we can, uh, but you guys are out there on on, on the call face, uh, out there meeting these people, seeing these real stories, these people, and I know just even looking at some of the stories on the website, um, the people that have been helped over the years, the people who would have been featured on Lenten boxes maybe ten years ago looking for ways maybe to go to school and now I, I read one of these people now uh, one of these uh, young girls that just graduated with a degree in accounting yeah Josie N from Rwanda Josie N yeah yeah and I met her a few years ago she's a great girl so she um, her like during the Rwanda genocide back in 1994 mm. her, her dad was killed her siblings were killed um, and her mother and herself and two her two little brothers managed to survive by hiding. Um, and, you know, they were just really, their land and everything was destroyed, and they were just really left with, with just where do you start, you know? Um, and Josie and now, um, through support from Ireland and, and this girl's determination and her wonderful mother, and um, they really just worked so hard to pick up the pieces. Um, her mother actually is a remarkable woman, um, Genevieve. She actually had some of the people who um, were involved in the genocide in her community. She's given them work on her farm, you wow. know, just wow. a real sense of forgiveness and, like, really remarkable woman. And um, and Josiane worked really hard in school, and we were able to support the family, and she recently got a degree. And when I met her um, a few years ago, she was just towards the end of her school years, and she was saying she wanted to go... Um, you know, to college to study business, and she's done it, and she's great news. It's absolutely amazing. So, like, thanks to everyone. Um, you know, people in Ireland really, really have helped uh, Josie and transform her life. It's incredible. So, big thank you um, to people in Limerick for really helping. There's a lot of people like Josie and out there who've had mm. remarkable support, and they know that the support is coming from Ireland. Um, and they're just constantly saying thank you. So it's great that we get to thank people in Ireland on their behalf. So thank you again to 1850 That's it, exactly. Troca.org. Yeah. Or oh, don't forget the Linton box too. That's fantastic. Listen, thank you so much yourself and all the gang out there for doing all the work you're doing out there, and we'll touch base again later on during the year. Super. Thanks for being God bless you, Mave. All your listeners. Bye. Bye-bye. So my thanks again to Maeve Smith from Troker for joining us this morning and sharing that wonderful news with us. And in the meantime, I'll finish off this part, um, part two of the programme, with a piece of music from uh, James Coban's album uh, entitled River for Grace. And this one is entitled I'll Never Forget You. So let's hear this.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.